Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new episodes as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com. Also, if you like the show and want to support me, you can now leave me a tip with no membership necessary. It's just like tossing a buck or two into the hat of a street performer. So when you listen to an episode at generatorpodcast.com, you'll see a donate button right in the player. And please know that while it's never necessary, It's always greatly appreciated. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. Hey there. I'm so glad that you could join me. Thanks for stopping by. This is the Generator Podcast, where we have long, casual conversations about the act of creation. Now, that could be the creation of art or business or even relationships. I'm your host, Matt Stagliano, and I love to have these types of conversations because not only do I get to know what my guests do, but I understand why they do it. So stick around, get inspired, get educated, get informed, and understand that no matter what you're creating, it's worth talking about. Thanks again for joining me. Now on with the show. happened that was so weird you said i'm gonna hit record and then it was just like <sighs> it's the perfect perfect murphy's law like, moment <laughs> perfect perfect moment right there and there's no better way to start this whole thing than for something like that to happen because now right? that the awkwardness like, is out of the I'm way like, you know i'm a scattered mess coming on here then as soon as the thing or my whole system shuts down i'm just like yeah yeah this is starting off great I'm making a really wonderful impression. Oh, stop. I think this is great. And it's good to see you finally. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, likewise. I'm going to tell you, I'm moving this. I love, 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 have loved the Artist Forge and everything. I have been in, I look up, you know, God, Becca, she's like my hero. And, and, and it's just like, cause she, all the stuff that she makes out of nothing, you know, and and that then is, like, well, yes, all of you, I mean, uh, all of you are, are like really, really great photographers and consider you my peers and like to actually get compliments on my work by people I, I look up to. I'm like. So you can continue with this for at least another hour because I'll take all the compliments. You know, right. Yeah, I'm just going to blow your blow your We all need an ego boost. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, like. I remember the first time I put one of my pictures out there, I was like, oh, God. Okay. Yeah, it feels Here weird, doesn't it? Especially when, you, when you're starting out, right? So I know I just started, you know, basically seven or eight years ago, whatever uh-huh. it is, 10 years ago. And it's amazing how quickly um, you become part of different crowds, right? If you spend any time working on your craft whatsoever, um, then you get absorbed. I don't know if you can hear any of that. I heard that. What was that? So I have a metal roof. And as we started this interview, Noah in his arc, I think, is about to drift by <laughs> because there's so much rain coming down. So we're just going to work through audio problems, you know, visual problems. 
my camera sucks. You've got your, you know, you've got the apocalypse happening. Here's a cat. Probably welcome to model. welcome to recording podcasts, right? So more hats off to Mike Rowe and Joe Rogan and all the people that can do this well. All right. That's not us. But yeah, it's amazing when you when you get into these small circles, how quickly you can become parts of groups. And then you start to follow right. other photographers that you haven't met and you admire their work. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, you're just a regular person. Yeah. But we all kind of drift in and out of these circles. And I know I've been following your work for years. And so when I saw you start to pop up in the Artist Forge, I was stoked at that. I was cool. like, why would Nina's hanging out with us? Like she's sitting at the <laughs> this table like she's at the cool kids table we're just kind of like little art nerds over here so it's great to have you here that's all i'm trying to say no i appreciate it was like nicole i've always thought she was so awesome and becca and i knew and I, your work and i'm i didn't know cat she's so God, her work is so good and everybody on the panel and it's just like wow like you know i've been kind of out of it for a while because COVID happened and, you know, I work, uh, I'm in the corporate world. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was about to do this show. Um, and it was all about, <laughs> would you, that's, we've got that's a secondary Elliot. guest. That's Elliot. Hey, your cat, <laughs> Elliot wants you to pay attention to him. He's just like, Hey, Hey, um, yeah, I was supposed to do the show all about breaking male well, hi, breaking male stereotypes. And um, that was supposed to happen. And I'm trying to set up, I always kid, I was like, y'all are the hardest to get booked. I did, but right before that, I did a show, it was all women 40 and older. And they were like, come on, let's do it. And, you know, easy to book them and then try to get, I, it was like herding cats trying to get them in. <laughs> <laughs> we're a weird breed especially when it comes to photography you know we can we can be photographers but it's really hard for nor and i throw normal guys you know in front of the camera it's just it's ingrained right. in us and i'm i'm like you i'm trying to break that i'm trying to bring my buddies in i'm trying to make everybody look good yeah. and, and it's hard it's a struggle for sure it's tough getting men in your port. It really is. Finding um, men comfortable with modeling is is yeah. is definitely a challenge. And then COVID hit, and and I was like, I I can't, yeah. you know, I can't really shoot for the show. And then we were like, oh, well, we can just do we can just do a a show of like um like a retrospective and pull in stuff. We ended up doing that. We couldn't have a you know we couldn't even have a reception or anything. And, but like, that was just like when everything just went, well, hello, sir. That's when everything just went and kind of blew up. And I really, I've done like a couple of things since then, but I really haven't, uh, haven't been a photographer that's, during this pandemic. That's really interesting to me because it, it just seems like you're, you're producing work. I don't know if you're just re-releasing it or I'm seeing it for the first time, you know, cause I don't know your entire catalog, but right. um, it just seems like you you're putting out it's extraordinarily gorgeous work, but I don't know if you're doing it regularly or if it's older stuff you're bringing out of the archives. It doesn't matter. I think the fact is that you're putting out work that right. makes people think and stop and understand story a little bit better. And that's been the thing that I really enjoy about looking at your stuff is that there's a lot of photographers. There's probably half as many storytellers. 
half as many good storytellers. Right. And then there's the exceptional ones. And the good and exceptional, you know, that that group kind of shifts around. But I've right. always looked at your work as having so much story to it. Aww, and so much you. thought. It's yeah, it's it's really provoking when you look at it. And you know, we've done it clearly on the artist forge when we're looking at your stuff right. we sit and we talk about it and we dissect it because there's so much to look at do you do you pull from that do you say all right i'm going to put every little bit of detail in here or is it just more natural than that and it just kind of flows as you're in the moment I, how does your process work with specific concepts are you trying to work out every detail or do you just kind of go with it it depends so yeah. Um, to answer your first question, I've been kind of revisiting my archives a lot lately um, and uh, reworking old work or, you know, stuff that maybe people haven't seen before, like the piece that's behind me mm -hmm. um, that went in that show in November. And that's an entirely new mixed media piece where I, you know, I, I didn't usually like go quite as heavy on the paint. And I really went heavy on that. This. Oh, 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 oh that one also that's another another one that was in that show so i've been because i have so i have a heart murmur and kind of like issues with my heart so i have to be i've had to be really careful about covid and haven't gotten it yet so that's why i've been extra extra sure. and then just working so much hadn't really had had the time but to the other question yeah i it goes both ways it's so um, what somebody, you know, that I've always looked up to the process was Helmut Newton. Sure. I've and, got a coffee table book this big on my coffee right. table of all his, like mainly his nude work. And it's gorgeous. Right. And, you know, he talked about how he would lay down and take a nap and kind of, do you remember that he, he, in that the documentary and he would say, you know, he'd lay down and kind of rest his eyes and he would start to envision and see the shot. And that's kind of how I I relate to that. Not that I'm ever going to be as good as him, but that's kind of how I, I relate to him in that way. And that's kind of how I work. So I'll set up to, you know, a shoot with someone and I start looking at them and kind of talking to them, get to know them. I'll go through their portfolio. If I don't already have a concept that I've sought them out for, I, that's when I kind of start to develop like what's the story for this person. And then slowly the picture starts coming in my mind. And like, I would say nine times out of 10 before I'm going to do a shoot, I already know the shot before, before it even happens. Like I already know the shot that I'm going to get for the shoot. I already have it completely set up in my mind and everything else is just bonus and working towards getting that shot. Like, I'd say probably nine times out of 10 for everything I've ever done. And now, do, you, really, hmm? do you get the shot or do you find that you wander away from it? The most of the time it ends up being the shot. Like really? I have this such a clear, like it's weird. Like I have this, this, I'm very visual and mm. I have like a, um, like I can close my eyes and literally see things in front of me like a movie, which is why I find it weird that some people can't see like pictures in their brain but i i mean it's it is as clear to me as if i'm looking at it in life and i it's almost like i end up recreating this vision and then that and sometimes it doesn't come and then it's more like if it doesn't come it doesn't come and i don't try and force it and then kind of working with the person things will happen 
Sometimes I'll have really create, I'll work with really creative models and they'll say, Hey, I've got this great idea. And then all of a sudden the movie and you know, the vision, it comes and it literally is like, I always say, it's like, I have this vision and I just see it. And then, then the whole point, the whole thing is like, make, I've, I've actually had shoots where I have taken 10 pictures and I've been like, well, this is, we're done. We'll keep going, but I've already got the shot. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, it's pretty intentional most of the time. I'm so jealous of people that can do that. For me, I, as visually stimulated as I am, I I have a really difficult time forming that vision in my head. It's more of like a, a charcoal sketch than anything. And I kind of know how components are going to go together. And then I get in there and then it takes this hard right turn. And That's I cool, wind up. It, I no, like it, that. Spontaneity. Yeah, I've just learned to work with it. And I just know that that's part of the process, that if I try to control things too much, then I I get wrapped up in not creating what I see instead of being in that flow of just pure creativity. So it always fascinates me when... You know, Parker Fister is very similar in in so far as he can see the vision and make that image. And you know, there's several friends of mine that could see it and make the image. And I'm right. like, I see it. I'm gonna go way over here I and awesome. do something, you know, completely different. It's I'm so I'm I'm fascinated by people that can see that clearly because it's just a it's a skill that's lost to me. Totally I've just lost. been super. I I was I was a a very imaginative child, you know, and I had like, like make believe I had a whole world that would, you know, and, uh, and it kind of carried on. But I tell you, um, I've been struggling for the vision for a long time. And that's kind of what's kept me from picking up my camera. Um, And uh, because I would, I would sit there and go, you know, Oh, come on, let's see it. Let's see it. And I haven't been able to see it quite as much as I have. So, and I think part of that is I didn't realize how important social interaction was to my creative process and actually being around people and, you know, had, uh, had played such a big part in my creativity. I I was kind of, I'm kind of like a, I'm a, what do they call it? An ambivert where it's an introverted extrovert. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll play hell getting me out of this house. But once I'm out and around people, I'm just like, Oh, I'm in my element, you know? And, um, I didn't realize how much I was almost like being a vampire with all the people that, that I was around and that I was really pulling from them and from all these interactions, all the stuff that I've created. And so when it was gone, it's almost like the source is gone. Where's my creativity? You're located, are you in Tennessee? Nashville. Nashville, you are in Nashville. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, how, was, how was Nashville during COVID? I mean, I know it's such a creative town, right? And you said that you have to really protect your health. Yeah. But did you find Nashville that- Nashville didn't care. What's, yeah. Nashville yeah. was wild through the whole thing. Like, like really, yeah. It really didn't. I, I would say during that one initial shutdown, there was even bars that were like, yeah, yeah no. it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah no. no, I was just, I was wondering the regulations because you work a lot. You work predominantly with models, right, mm-hmm. and self portraits and and things yeah. like that. I was just curious as to in those creator communities in Nashville, if everybody kind of took the same approach and you know retreated into the box like we all did, and then 
as you start to come out, do you feel like there's been this this wave of pent up creativity or has it been the struggle to get back into it? Because I see everything. Yeah. I struggled, but I feel like it's starting to come back that people are starting to work together a little bit more, collaborate a little bit more, create. But it's still this real kind of touchy, feely, you know, let's see what tomorrow brings sort of attitude. Yeah, I um. I'm struggling. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Um, I'm I, even just with so I'm just trying to get back into peopling, um, yeah. you know, and just being around people. Um, I just started a, another creative project. I got asked to come in on a, as a creative director for a, a film, um, independent film to possibly uh, star, not star, but be in it act and then help the creative side of it. And wow. You know, it was like the day came for the first and I'm just like, oh, I got to do this. You got to do this. You got to leave your house, go to the car, go, go to the you've been crying that you're not creating and you're not around people. And now you're like, I can't do it, you know, but, uh, but, but a little you have bit, your we got talking and the creative were like and bouncing ideas off each other. And I was like, oh. This is what this was like. I remember this. Feels re good, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah. you know, it, it it surprises me mainly because you have your your you're so multidimensional, right? Model, photographer, activist, filmmaker, actor, actress. Right. Um, right. You've got all of this stuff that you like to do. We talk a lot about how we define ourselves i'm a mm -hmm. photographer or i'm a model or i'm an artist or whatever as you do so much how would you define yourself like where is where's where's passion lie is it is, yeah. is it in corporate insurance is it oh, no yeah. that just pays the bills that <laughs> pays for that high nashville tax that i just got the bill for today you owe more on your mortgage because your taxes are terribly high yeah <laughs> that's what that does but that's not where the heart because I, I i mean i'm very grateful for my job and i'm good at doing you know that kind of thing but that is that's not what what makes me smile or gets my heart going pitter pat it's it's art in all the varying forms that 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 does it for me um i uh I'm so I was glad I have another show coming up in November because you know my other love is horses, mm -hmm. and um, I rescued my current horse. He's a rescue, and I adopted him from a uh, from this place called Hickory Hill Farms, and I'm actually going to do photograph all horses. I feel like okay, oh, you wow. can motivate yourself to get out around horses, but I want to take it like I don't want to just take pictures of horses. I've done that. Um, I want to do more, um, on like just more creative, probably double exposures, long exposures, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm having a brain fart. Ah! Um, surreal kind of look. Yeah. Like more along the lines of surrealism instead of realism. A lot of when I photograph horses, I kind of, I do it a little bit different than most differently than most people do because I light my horses like I would light a person or right. I photograph a horse as I would photograph a human being and try 
to bring out like a soul. And this isn't just the here's a horse out in the field. You know, right. there's um, I'll sit with a horse in, a, in their stall for an hour, two hours, just to, just watching a move and following them so that I could catch something that would hopefully draw like some emotion and, and get, or create some feeling instead of, Oh, that's a horse, you know? And uh, so I wanted to kind of go along that lines a little bit, but expand on it a little bit more and go to more to the surreal. Uh, it's, but it's all going to be for these rescued horses. I'm photographing all rescued horses. I'm really excited about it. They're going to be the ones that are being fostered, ones that have already been adopted. And then I'm going to donate some proceeds from the show to the, to the rescue. That's amazing. Now, I I was just looking through as we were talking, looking through your Instagram, and I was going to throw a picture up here, but I'll just describe it to you because it's it it's so in line with like noir portraiture. You've got this horse, and it almost looks like you've got a rim light coming from behind, coming through its mane, and uh -huh. then there's almost like a a slant of hard light across his eyes, and it's very fashiony for a horse, and that I haven't seen images like that of horses is that is that what you're talking about in terms oh, of yeah. humanizing them yeah yeah right. absolutely humanizing them because kind of what is it anthropomorphism yeah but yeah like because you know you there horses that that it's been done 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 and i was trying to think like what can i do to make that a little bit different how can i get you know see that a little different and believe it or not like i said um i don't i don't even i didn't the picture you're probably talking about because the vast majority of my photos of horses aren't even lit with strobes i'm in a stall with one window light no and hand holding the camera sometimes at really slow slower shutter speeds and it's just moving slow and and like letting and following them and letting them be them and let them forget about that you're in the you know you're in the stall with them because we'll be in like these little you know cl pretty closed in areas sure. and I'll be, I'll be in the corner probably sitting in horse poop <laughs> for like an hour <laughs> be like ignore me ignore now, me did Here, you grow up with, did you grow up with horses do you grow up with horses? Yeah, well, I loved them since I was a little girl, but we yeah. I grew up really, really poor. And uh, so the, I had horses in my mind constantly. I dreamed of horses and pretended I, when I was little, I pretended I was a horse. I think I was a horse for probably a month. And my mom was like, you gotta stop. You're not a horse. <laughs> I am. Yeah, um, <laughs> and um, I would draw them like and, and check out every book in the library, just obsessed. And I got my first horse when I was 31. So I kind of made my childhood dream come true. And I, oh my gosh, when you're bit by that bug, you can forget about it. You lose brain cells. It's worse than doing drugs. Like just oh, more expensive too. Oh my God. Yes. They're so <laughs> expensive. Again, the day job. Mm -hmm. Got to, got to. Let's. I actually want to talk about that. Not necessarily about your job itself, but there's a lot of artists that think, "Oh, I have to give everything up in order to be an artist, right? I right. have to give up my day job, and I have to get a studio, and I have to follow this, and I have to do that." You clearly balance both Ooh, really yeah, well. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah. So, talk you, to me about how do you find that balance between 
corporate demands because I know what they were like. I lived that life. Yeah. And the artistic life where you're like, you get this bolt of creativity and you want to get into it, but you might be in a meeting about TPS reports. So how do you balance, you know, uh, the creative side of your life with the corporate side? I always say that if you want to do something, you will find a way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you will find an excuse. And so if you want to do it, if you want to be an artist, but you got bills to pay and you're, you know, you're, you'll, you'll find a way and do, you know, it's like, well, do you want to just lay on your couch and relax or get out pick up your camera and get out and shoot something or paint or do whatever? Like it makes me very busy and I, 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 and it's, it's a crunch, you know, you're squeezing in all this stuff on your weekends, you're, you know, um, collaborating with people who are cool with coming over at nine o'clock at night to do a shoot. Um, uh, thing, you're squeezing it in every little nook and cranny and you're daydreaming about it while you're working, you know, and, and just basically scheduling it in every, every moment you can. I do think that uh, getting out of the habit of doing that is part of what's causing, having given me, making me have such a hard time getting myself back in there. Is once you get out of the habit of like, no, you're going to create, you're going to schedule this time and you're going to do it. You, it's kind of like wor working out, like making the time to exercise. And, um, you know, uh, you, you can be great and super fit and going and working out however many days a week. And then, suddenly you you stop and then it's like that much harder to get back into it it's the same with that it's like making it making it more of a habit um and, and then like really just scheduling time to do it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie it's really hard you know yeah. i mean you you know when you're gonna not have time to just chill which is very important but you you just won't have that much time to do that because if you're like, like, it's going to be crazy here. I'm going to have the show in November here soon because all the horses are finally shedding out and starting, you know, and everything's getting green. So I'm going to be able to start shooting. It's going to be my entire weekend. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, editing and stuff all throughout. Like I'll be work, work all day. And I, I work, actually work two jobs. So I'll be working all day, day job in my little part-time job, then editing throughout the night and then trying to get a, you know, get whatever other eat maybe you know those kind of things in but i mean when you love something and it's like important to you like i said you'll either find you you just you just find a way yeah i like that find if a way or find an excuse you, right? huh I, I was just gonna say i like that that saying that find a way or you're either gonna find a way or you're gonna find an excuse yeah. and you know it's just it's always interesting to me because i think you're absolutely right you know i, I find that some people get into a profession because they can do it and they feel like they, you know, clock in nine to five as a photographer and they're going to do this amount of shoots. And it's great to have um, a routine, but when you are balancing, whether it's a job or family or friends or, you know, it's, if you start to let the creativity slip, 
then it starts to become a memory that's further and further away of what you used to do, right? Like right. you said, it's it's muscles, it's habits. And once you fall out of that, it's hard to get back on that treadmill, man. So like hard. you don't have the cardio again. And, you know, yeah. you have to work those muscles over and over and over. It is a, you know, a diminished skill if you leave it for long enough. And I found and that's that- that's what I'm well. struggling with yeah. right now. Um, because I've got to start shooting and I'm not going to lie. Like I, you know, I am, there is a tiny part of me that's kind of dreading it a little bit as much as I want to. I just know like how hard it's going to be. But then I also, but, but see, cause you're not seeing, you're not in there with the camera and getting the, to the exciting part, the planning and getting all the booking, the going to the different farms and getting like, getting all that set up. That's always like, that's daunting. Like, oh God, you know, now I got to start planning the, planning the weekends and contacting this barn and contacting this horse person and this, 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 and trying to get times and mesh. But once you're like, it's just like, you know, when back to the exercising metaphor, you know, I, I hate working out. Like I hate it. I do it every day and I hate it, but I love how I feel. So this I, I pout like a child. I'm gonna go for the, we're gonna do my stupid working out for my stupid mental health. I hate this. I'm gonna and then after I'm done, I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. And then tomorrow I'm gonna do the same thing again. I'm gonna mm -hmm. throw an absolute temper tantrum like a child to my and then pick the weights up and go. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I, I think you're not alone in a lot of that, you know, yeah. and, and I've found the same thing that it's, you know, when shoots slow down for one reason or another, either you're burnt out or, you know, there's a pandemic or, you know, yeah. things beyond your control. Um, you find that it becomes, it gave me at least a little bit of breathing room to where I said, okay, well, I can take a little bit of time off because everybody's taking time off. Right. And yeah, that was a dangerous trap to fall into. Yeah. Because, well, I, you know, I, I kept moving and I, I pivoted and I, I was doing some video editing and finding ways to stay kind of using my tools. Right. I wasn't right, shooting right. a lot of clients, but I was finding ways to use the tools. And I got to tell you, once getting back into the client flow is difficult right? right or you know you shooting for shows and you know are you doing this all yourself do you have a team do you have someone that can do booking I, for you me, it, yeah it's all I'm you. gonna hope to get some some friends to come shape so horses are horses <laughs> I'm gonna hope to get like a friend who knows horses to come along with me to basically shake a treat bag or shake something to try and catch attention right. um so I might have get somebody to come along with that but but other than that no i'm a i'm a one woman show now i will um i will sometimes uh put a call out for people who want to shadow me because i get a lot of people asking if they you know to learn especially uh like i love doing that i like teaching i teach photography or i did teach photography before the pandemic pan mm -hmm. pandemic <laughs> That was a great slip. <laughs> I'm not even drinking. The pandemic. 
but uh, I used to teach photography too, and I love teaching. So I, um, as long as the person I'm or the person that I'm photographing is cool with it, I'll let people come and assist just so they can learn, and I'll talk through what I'm doing. But usually, I'm, I'm I, I work a lot alone, um, yeah. especially because a lot of the work I do, um, I don't use models re- like. I'm, I always say I, I photograph a lot of civilians and it's, they get the more people that are around them, the more uncomfortable they tend to get. So the let I, um, especially cause like when I did my series, machismo, I'm, you know, I'm photographing a lot of women with no shirt on that aren't models. Like the majority of like so many of the women I photographed for that, they were not models. And then, there was, the under, you know, a lot of them were um, abuse survivors. Um, and, you know, went to pull from the depths of them, you know, we would talk about like things that they've overcome in their in their life. And I would say, you know, if you could be in front of so and so, you know, and you wanted to show them what you overcome, show me that now hit that pose now show show me your strength, because we were I was trying to pull strength out strength out of these vulnerable places to tell their story of triumph kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you can't have people, you can't have a team and, or any kind of, when you're, when you're doing something like that, it's, it's one-on-ones way more, it's more intimate and they can mm-hmm. feel more comfortable and, and let, let go uh, a lot more in that scenario. You know, I know that the machismo set that you put together, um, I was looking at the few photos that you had on the website and mm-hmm. reading the story about it. And it's such a phenomenal, um, was that a, just a personal project? Was that something that you had been working on for a really long time? Was it, did it come to you very quickly? I think it's such, it's such a powerful piece to look at. And this is why I was going on about story at the beginning uh-huh. in all of these images and all of these black and white images that I'm looking at they there is so much story to each one of them yeah because of the expression because of the lighting because of you know the wardrobe that they have or lack of wardrobe right Right. and everybody's topless and it's just it's gorgeous work and you're not looking at nudity you're looking at these women and their faces and their expressions and i'm wondering what it is that it's all about Right. Talk a little yeah. bit more about kind of that whole concept, because I know you do so much activism and you were just talking about, you know, some of the um, some of the women that you've worked with in the past. Is this all tied into, you know, your activism or wanting to um, bring social issues to light? Like, how does this all tie in? Do you focus so, on that or is it just something that you have to get out? Like, it's just part of you that you have to express it. That, that, uh, I always say that that series became a self portrait. Mm. And, um, so as you pointed out, I was a self, I do self portraits. Well, and when I first picked up my camera, all I did was self portraits. And I have my, my friend, Amy, who is the main person who's got the swagger mm-hmm. and the cigarette. The, the cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she had got that short haircut. That's and amazing. I had never photographed another person before. I'd only photographed myself. Yeah. yeah. And she, that, uh, I'm being attacked. Hi. Um, that, that 
session was the first time I've ever photographed another person. And um, when, and I knew I wanted to do something like androgynous. That's how, kind of how it started. Like, you know, I, cause she had, she had just gotten that pixie cut, you know, and uh, she has such real sharp features. And, Very. and I was kind of thinking like, wow, we could really play into that and let's get in. And, and all this is like that thing happened where this picture came in my head and um, I am being like, he is literally hanging from my head. <laughs> So, so, you know, we, we got that swagger, you know, in that picture. And I said, whoa, what if I did a whole series of these? I was like, I love this. And I really liked photographing another person. I was like, I want to keep doing this. What if I do a whole series of these? So then I was thinking, well, I could do them all. And, and, um, and I was like, I could do all of everyone kind of more on their, in their, in their masculine energy. Cause you know, um, and, and it's just started to evolve. And, um, and when I would try and pull like strength from people, we would be, I, I always sat and I talked to people before I photographed them and we, and over and over again, you know, when I was asking people to think about it, something that they've overcome. I didn't even think it was going to go anywhere with the, with the unfortunate sexual assault. But when like, what is it like one in five women have been a victim of that or something like that? It's a lot. It's a whole lot. I I don't don't want to give wrong statistics, but a lot, you're going to end up running into that when you're, I mean, I think I photographed, it was over 30 people for this. And suddenly over and over again, it was, that was what they over, they overcome. And I remember um, one of, I'm getting goosebumps. One of the person, one of the people that I photographed, and I said, if you could stand, it was the first, that moment of like the first one who was a survivor. And I said, well, if you could stand up to them right now, show me that. And I swear her, her shoulders went back and her chin went up and her fist just clenched and kind of went and I was like, Oh my God. And I almost forgot to snap. And I'm like, Oh, take the picture, take the picture. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And these women would start like at the beginning of the session, they would be nervous and then be giggling. And, and the more that I would talk to them and like, I'm like, pull from the strength. You're a queen. You are a, you're a boss. You're this. If you could ever tell, you know, think of something sometime when you felt small and let's, let's, let's bash that person, like show, show them now and let's show who you are. And uh, so it kept going back to that theme and there were so many people that were survivors. And so I actually got up with the, um, with a, uh, an organization uh, to, um, and I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start raising awareness about this, you know, and then I'm going to raise money for survivors. And so the Tennessee Coalition of Domestic and Sexual Violence, I believe that's the name. It's a long one, um, ended up getting uh, communicating with them and having having uh, bring um, 
having the proceeds to donate to them. Then the Tennessean wrote it up and I did an artist talk and we brought some of the survivors up and it became like this whole, like bring awareness. And that was like my first uh, step into, you know, using art for activism. And I've given like lots of talks about using your work as your voice and to tell people's story, to give voice to the voiceless and tell people's stories um, since then. But that was really like, from never photographing another person before and having just this one little picture of an idea in my mind to photographing over 30 women, including my grandmother and my mother, both posed for me. Um, and, and like help, like almost like each session was almost like a therapy session of like, you know, like talking about how they've overcome in their strength and, you know, and a lot of them, they told me, you know, afterwards, like it made them feel stronger and they, they kind of felt more power, powerful throughout the session. And it was very cathartic for a lot of them, but it kind of like, I feel like I'm talking so much. I'm so <laughs> I guess that's the point of this. Um, boy. It, uh, it, um, it, it was, it was my, it was the, my step into, well, gosh, you know, the, the, I could say so much. You really could, you can, you can bring, to light so many things that people don't talk about, you know? Um, and, uh, I always say like, uh, you know, people can ignore the news, you know, they can ignore, uh, you know, posts that people make, but it's easier to sneak a piece of art or it's easier to sneak activism and social awareness in through art whether it be photography, painting, music, movies, all the art will bring voice to people and sneak it in so much more easily than the news and other forms because like, you know, you're you you, you think you're just checking out this piece of art and the next thing you know, you know, you're being educated about something you're somebody's bringing awareness to something that you might not have ever even known was a problem. And I think well, that's know, amazing. Well, yeah. And it truly is. I mean, we're so bombarded with, you need to think this way. Here's the headline. Here's the, the Instagram post. You need to think like this. Here's the meme that sums up exactly what you're supposed to think. Right. like. And then when we see art that tells a story or that has some depth to it or that keeps us engaged just visually without knowing the story, without reading a blurb or being told what to think, that interpretation really does foster good discussion because you're bringing two people, forget about what they believe in the rest of their right. life. Like they're all able to look at and appreciate the same image and interpreted a different way they might see yeah. parts of themselves they may see parts of a family member or a loved one or a friend and to be able to relate that to their life is going to be different for everyone but that's what i love about seeing a lot of your work and i, I mentioned it before that you know we all on the artist forge we we're all getting together and we all saw different stuff in what you were right. trying to say right and that's the wonderful part of all of this now you do a lot of these projects and you know, you were talking about mixed media at the very beginning, and I'll get into that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But, you know, individually, you've got photography, you've got film, you know, you've got all these things. 
And I wanted to talk to you while we're talking about machismo, the my body is not obscene. Oh, yeah. Right. And I want to talk about that. And I didn't know if that was a project that got delayed because of COVID or if it's that, something that that actually happened. You were talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was that actually was pre COVID. Um, the uh, it that had gone on for a long time. And the main, the, 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 the reason that even happened. So that took a long time to shoot because, you know, you've got both of us working and having the director and all everybody involved are kind of having personal projects and work and life. And, you know, um, it took a really long time to put that movie together. But the reason it started was because when I, you know, as you know, I started off as a model and when I would, and I do a lot of art nudes and I am a survivor trigger warning of uh, child pornography. So uh, the fact, the very fact that I started doing nude modeling was a huge deal because that was something done to me in a negative way when I was like only 11 years old. And being a model and being and being a nude model in particular kind of gave me back uh, control over my body because this was all happening because I said so. I want this to happen. This is, uh, you know, this is this is something I'm expressing. And um, but (laughs) so I was doing all this nude modeling and every time I would post it, have to put censorship, you know, and um and I started censoring things of my body is not obscene it, because there was like during the time when like they Facebook was allowing this post of that poor person getting beheaded and it was all over everywhere. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. And like no matter how many times you would report it, they weren't taking it down and they were like, you know, so it's like all this violence. Um my, my God, I saw one where this woman was literally had a bucket full of puppies and was chucking them one by one into a river. And I kept reporting it. And they were like, no, we're not taking that down because that's showing there that this happened. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not they're The person who abused the animal didn't post it. It was the person like, I'm bringing awareness that this happened. So you wouldn't take it down. So I can see this people dying puppies dying i saw like in my in my facebook memories today i was like i literally just watched a lady take a poop in aisle of a grocery store on like that they did showed the surveillance and i was like you know and that was okay but titty's bad titty's bad (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you're so right everything is it's become so strange and surreal um, about what's allowed and what's not. And that's, that's, I don't know if we have enough hard drive space to record my thoughts on that. Um, But but that's what's, that's, that's what uh, Jason and Jason was like, Oh, we need to make a documentary about this. And that, so that's where that came from. And again, it's just like, you know, we talked back to every having like clear idea and things yeah. getting what well, while like just like machismo, I didn't know what machismo was going to be. I had I did have the clear idea of the shot I wanted to get, but I had no idea that that would end up 
being the big deal that it ended up being and like that I'd have a solo show that the Tennessean would rank that thing like the top seven cultural one of the top seven cultural events of the blah and an art show and the like survivors are coming out and we're doing art talks and like holy crap that's well, kind of the same thing with this movie it just evolved <laughs> that, well that's the beautiful part of it right and and right. this is the thing that I love about learning about artist projects and especially the personal projects is that they all start from most of them i should say start from something that happened to the artist like oh you know i i took a shot of amy or i took you know my dad to the to the doctor because he's having issues and that raised my awareness about other older dads with issues and right. yeah yeah you, know, and you just you do it because you're interested in it and it gives you some level of spark or passion. And then you quickly realize, and I think this is where we sell ourselves short as artists is that we don't realize the power of shared experience and that yeah. all of us, regardless of what we believe are a lot more similar than we like to Absolutely. like to, to say. You're so, 100% right. When we have this shared experience and we can relate to the story that the photographer, or the artist, or the sculptor, or the writer is telling, that it allows for a different type of dialogue and it puts all that other stuff to the side. And right. I love that you've been able to do that to raise that awareness across all of these different personal projects. And it all starts with just something you're interested in rather than, all right, how do I market this? How do I get this to be, you know, a specific group of people that I can target? The way right. that we're taught to market everything these days and turn ourselves into a brand you're doing something that comes straight from heart and i think that is what translates so well in the work and that right. you know you. brings people along with it it's just it's phenomenal storytelling and and throughout history that's been some of the most powerful work right i can take a picture a self-portrait of me in a golden wheat field at sunset and there's 10 billion pictures of golden wheat fields at sunset but i don't see a lot of pictures like yours and those are the ones that catch your eye right we're so inundated with all this stuff we're looking for something new and unique but when we can relate to it it becomes even more powerful right that's so, important that that's yeah. what like that's a thing is i i like that i like to make people feel seen mm. and so that is like uh, so my show goals and mm -hmm. I did that I did, um, you know, it's like, I, I was thinking, you know, I struggle. I mean, I started modeling at 36, I'm 47 years old, you know, and stop I was still, and stop. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 47 and a freaking half almost now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, aging has always been, you know, as a woman, that society is really hard on women, men age, you know, they're like, they get more distinguished with age and, and for women, they just sell us a bunch of skincare. And, you know, if you like, you know, I was thinking of all the posters that I had when on the wall, when I was a kid, you know, it was like, I didn't have any of a woman of age that I was like, she's a badass. Right. You know, I mean, it was like they were all younger, all the, you know, like Madonna and all all young, all the all, all the goals. Like if you're like, that's my goal. I didn't have anybody 47, 50, 60 that I was going that I would 
have put up on a on a wall and said that's goals i want to i want to be that and so i was like well that needs to change because you know representation is everything and um i just women of a certain age are very much underrepresented in as far as being beautiful and desirable and sexy they're like when they're hiring when you're getting hired as a model over a certain age most of you are like am i going to do the next aarp commercial or right. depends or <laughs> you know this new hormonal treatment or whatever you know you're somebody's grandmother somebody's mother but are you are you the are you the the siren are you the the object of desire you know um kind of like mrs robinson that was a good one you know she is like this young guy she the old, older lady hot you know um but that's what i want i wanted women i wanted to give like i pictured like a whole room of the show like posters and I was like, I'm going to plaster an entire gallery of posters of all these women. And they're going to be goals. It's like kind of envisioning it like if it was a young a young girl's bedroom with nothing yeah. but these older women plastered all over it. And that, yeah. that was a lot of fun. So, it's it's yeah. such a phenomenal campaign to look at because, you know, the, the marketer in me immediately sees advertising copy and taglines and, you right. know, in each one of these images, because it looks like a poster, because it's very clear that, you know, this is telling a story about who the person is or what they're feeling or what their desires are. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, women with flying V guitars and yes. it's fantastic. Right. But you can almost hear the 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 taglines that go along with it like you know defy your age whatever. that was on purpose that totally. was, i shot every last one of them to look like something that came out of a different ad or yeah, a different coat and so if you notice they're all none of it's like as a whole they kind of flow together but mm -hmm. they are like so individually shot this could be That's a shoot a ad, this part. could be a hair ad, this could yep. be a this ad, this is, you know, here's somebody wearing Western wear that could be like, you know, and it's, it was all intentionally like, can I make very, very, very different pieces, but somehow make this all cohesive and blend into a show. And so, yeah, I did, I did definitely, it was intention, like each of them was kind of shot like an ad. It's it's gorgeous. And and again, I'll I'll tell the listeners like go to ninacovington.net and just look through some of these campaigns. If you're struggling with story, take a look at what Nina's doing. Cause this oh, is this is how it should be done, right? This is how we express ourselves. This is how we bring people into the art form. This is how we reach younger people. And I mean, you know, with this whole campaign, did you ever figure out with yourself, right? So starting modeling relatively late in life mm -hmm. and, and you know, being a photographer after that mm -hmm. is, do you find yourself thinking about like, what would you tell that 11-year-old? What would you tell that 12-year-old? If, oh gosh, absolutely. As uh, a matter well, of fact, each one of my people, I, I interviewed everyone in their interview was up against the, uh, by their portrait. And part mm -hmm. of it was, what would you go back and oh, tell really? 
your your younger self. And and yeah, I think about that a lot, especially considering what what I come from, sure. you know, uh, in my past and just to be like, just, you know, I, I used to want to be a model so bad, but a little short, you know, thing. And but just yeah, I would definitely just be like, hang in there, everything, you know, you're going to be you're going to be a badass when you grow up and you're going to do all sorts of really cool things and you're going to make other people feel better about themselves. Um, but I, I, you know, and I actually did a piece, um, I had another show called rise and it mm -hmm. was literally like taking people through my he a healing journey of, of self. And it started with a picture of me as a child. And it's like, um, and there was poetry that I wrote for each one. And with that one, it was wait for me. So I was telling young me, you know, wait for me. Cause I'm, you know, it, and so that's what, that's what I would say is just, just wait, hang in there. I know everything's horrible right now, but one day there's going to some badass, <laughs> some badasseries coming in your future. You're not even going to believe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so you know, that that looking back in retrospect and understanding where you came from and all those experiences that led up to being the badass that you are, right? It's it's really hard to get that across to a young person, except for the fact that we're still here and we can say, don't worry, you're going to survive. You're going to make you're it. Gonna do um, it. Yeah. And, and here's all the things that you can do. Being able to show them and at least stimulate their imagination through some of these things, right? You can be a 50-year-old woman as a rock star. You can be a 70-year-old woman and have an amazing, you know, modeling career. You can do all of these things. And all you need is someone to look at to be like, yep, that's attainable. That's attainable. That's representation attainable. is yeah. everything and that people you know it's that's important is like more people like the more people that get out there and show you can do this and you can do this and people can in more people that are there that people can see themselves in helps people to visualize that for themselves and you know what i mean yeah. you're like okay you know when you're when you're in the middle of all the crap like if you could, if somebody could tell a, a kid, you know, I mean, we were so poor, we ate food out of dumpsters. I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie, Matt, we were poor. If somebody would, you know, uh, tell me, well, you're going to be living in Nashville, have a car, have a nice job. You're doing it all on your own money in the bank. You know, you, you're, you've created art, you've, you know, the, like, if somebody could have, if I could have seen someone like me, maybe to look up to, it would have seemed a lot less daunting. So I, I, I think, and I, I really do think like some people are like, I can't believe you tell all the stuff that's happened to you, but like, it's important. It's important too, because if people need to, people need to hear the come up stories so they can know that they, that that can happen to them too. And I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, famous and I'm not, you know, the, but I, but I, but I'm more than I ever thought that I would be, you know? Um, and, and I feel like, and I, you know, even though I'm not wealthy, like, I feel like I've touched people and I feel like I've made a difference, even if it was just like a small handful of people. And that's worth way more than money, you know? And I, I hope you that my art will, you know, when I'm gone, I really hope that it, the internet, they say it's forever. I hope so. And I hope like when I'm long gone or whatever, that maybe somebody might 
run across a picture, you know, that I that I took that might make them feel better about them. Or maybe they might hear like, you know, this here, you know what I mean? Or maybe I, I photograph somebody who like and tell their story and somebody's inspired by them more importantly. I mean, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm, I just regular person, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm always, I'm always like blown away by the people that I photograph and the things that they've overcome and how incredible they are. And it's like, I want to talk about you. It's not about me, but I don't know. Just try to make a difference. Like is the only thing that's ever really mattered to me, even if it's just a small one. That's the wonderful part about, about seeing yourself as a storyteller is that it's not only telling your own story so that people can relate to it. It's helping other people that don't necessarily have the means to tell their stories. Again, it comes back to that shared experience. If you talk right. to any one of those women in the goals campaign or in machismo, right? Everybody's got their own unique story, but there oh, are yeah. these shared experiences and collectively we start to now draw from each other and being able to see that represented beautifully, right? Visually, through movement, through um, facial expression, right? Through lighting. You've got an incredibly edgy lighting voice, right? Thank you. you. I only use one light ever. Yeah, and it's I'm a yeah. big one light shooter, which I noticed light. that. That's why I brought that up because you yep. you you're one of a one light fan as well. Yeah, I'm lazy, right? And I think it looks. <laughs> Let's, let's call it what it is. But I think I'm always drawn. I'm drawn to mental health issues. I'm drawn to drama. Yes, I noticed I'm, that. I'm drawn to things that help people tell their story and not feel alone, right? right? Because I felt alone for so many years. Right. Just even though I had friends and family around me, I felt alone. And I think there's a lot of people that struggle with things like that. And you mentioned it a while ago. If you can make someone feel seen and heard and not so isolated or alone in what is going on in their head, there's only good things that can come from that. Um, right. And so I think it's it's insanely important that for any photographer or artist that is connecting with people at that level, that there's a responsibility and an obligation to tell their story as honestly and openly as you can um, through whatever medium, because right. giving them that platform to tell their story, not only is going to help them, it's going to help countless other people. Oh, like yeah. you said, it, it's, it's exponential effects right? One person sees that feels good, opens a door for another person. That person does, you know, one thing after another. And right. I love how this seems to be the thread that weaves through a lot of your work oh, is telling people's stories. So with that, and as I was talking about the, the one light stuff, it does have a little bit of an edge to it, right? And mm -hmm. I know that it's a certain style that resonates with a lot of people and you capture it really, really well. So is that something that you like to add that little bit of drama or are you just lazy like me and just don't want to set both. up two lights? Yeah, both. both. Well, uh, I, I love Rembrandt's one of my favorite artists. And so I love, and before I ever even thought about any kind of photography and, you know, the Rem Rembrandt light and his use of shadow. And it's like the, the, his shadow was just as much a part of 
his work as the light. And I am, I, and I feel like that's like the same with like people, like our darkness and our, all the little hidey bits are so much, or, or what makes us who we are. Right. And we've got that part that's shown that everybody sees. And then the part that everybody doesn't see and the part that that's underlying the things, the parts that people don't see are every bit of as important, maybe even more important than the parts you see. So I love shadow. Yeah. I it's- love shadow. And, um, and so it's like if you look at his work and you just look in the shadows and how how he allowed the shadows to creep in and to only allow this part of this to show and this part of this to show. And that like that's where it's at. You know, I just so it's a lot of this because I just love shadow. And and it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm a little I, I um I'm kind of a dark kind of person like I have like that I'm very cheerful whatever but I also have like my dark side I like scary stuff and uh and I and I my gallows humor is on point I've been I've been I've been great during this pandemic but uh so like I have a darkness to me and I but I also have this bubbly side and it's just that dichotomy I like I like that it's balance man like you're talking about Corporate and art, light and shadow, yin yang, right? So you found this wonderful balance. And it just seems to be from talking to you now, knowing what I know of you online and and our interactions previously, like there seems to be just a wonderful piece about you and that you've got this balance. Now, I could be way off. It could be complete bananas chaos as soon as you shut this podcast off. There, there seems to be um, a wonderful balance and acceptance of life as it is. And yeah. that that I see a lot of this in your work, whether it's the long exposure stuff, whether it's your pet portraits, whether it's the machismo stuff, right? There seems to be this, this feeling like I'm in the room with you at right. those moments. And I immediately understand where you are. But it's not like, wow, she's kind of creepy. Like everything is, wow, that's beautiful. That's dark. Let me look at this for hours and try to analyze it. And that's really hard to do, especially when it comes to light. A lot of people look at light and be like, oh, there's not enough. There's too much shadow. Keep adding light. Let's add a third. Let's add a fourth. Let's do reflector. And I think that's awesome. But I don't. And I, and I actually had to do that for some of the stuff for, for my uh, goals, because I was like, I can't shoot everything with the same light. Right. I can't do my one light thing. Cause right. you know, a lot of the stuff is like lights everywhere. That is hard for me. Um, just because I'm just like, everything's so exposed, you know, <laughs> like nothing's hiding. It's just, it's all out there. <laughs> but I'm gonna, but I love it. I love that really slick, you know, that like with the fat, the fashion photography, I mean, cause they have to, I mean, you're showing the clothes, you can't hide half the clothes in <laughs> shadow. And so I, I, I really love that, but, at the, but it's, I was honest, it's kind of intimidating to me, all that light showing everything. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, there's people naked in front of your lens. I don't, I don't want to show it all. Um, <laughs> doesn't make sense. Um, so, you know, thinking about all of that, and looking at all of these different 
techniques that you use, right? You're doing long exposure stuff. You're you're kind of in advertising. Um, you're doing dark black and white, very, you know, F11, everything's in focus. Everything's very crispy. Like you're all over the place. And I love that because it shows such um, a curious voice, right? Yeah. And it's looking at your body of work. It's very cohesive. Now, is there a place that you settle into? You're like, ah, I'm home. I got one light and, you know, a self-portrait or I'm, you know, with a certain type of person. Where's your comfort zone? I know that you're moving into this mixed media stuff. Um, where do you find yourself settling in? If you could do that one thing over and over and over, not get bored by it. What, what do you I think that would be? I love portraits. I love getting right up in somebody's face with one light and, and, you know, the, like, you know, right, right here, getting in and catching every little glint in their eye. I love that so much. If I only ever, and, and, but then, then, but long exposure though. Oh my God. You want to talk about, so like, you can't be any kind of a control freak. And do long exposure. So I'm like, I'm torn. If you would say if I had to pick one or the other, it's really tough because long exposures, you want to talk about hard because you you can't hardly control that. It's going to kind of end up doing what it wants. And then you have to, it's like you're doing a dance with the person. And the, like, sometimes I'll have like, I'll have to manually set off a flash strobe over here while I'm managing this and it's just absolute insanity and you might get like a handful of shots out of a whole session that are that are even worth a darn Mm -hmm. but it's so rewarding when it happens when when you you spot the wonderful part of looking at a lot of your movement stuff right your long exposure stuff is People don't understand to get that in camera. Yeah, you can do it in Photoshop and you can layer everything and make it, you know, all blend. But to get it in camera is such such an exploration. It's so hard to do, so hard to capture. I do it a little bit. I'm not a master at it by any stretch, but you're absolutely right. When you want to get that image, and especially if you've got a really slow shutter, you're doing it thousands of times oh, so much. you have to find that one image that works and this, i'll do it over and you. over and over and over again i remember this doing one. exactly exactly i was just looking holy at that holy crap <laughs> let me tell you that poor girl <laughs> she's about a ballerina and have and catching catching her like up like that like she had she had to jump a lot i felt so i was just like you're i can't even like thank you enough like she worked right. so hard we both did i'm like one two three go and i'm mm-hmm. grabbing this and turning this off and because like it's like this um uh, you want to freeze this but then you have to like make sure you get a, a enough of enough of an ambient light to catch the mo- movement that's going after and yeah <laughs> that was tough but it was, uh, you know, and it's kind of like I'm, I can be a bit of a control freak because I, which you probably have figured out from me saying, no, oh, I picture everything. And that's just out the window. 
Like, so I think that's why I talk about a dichotomy a lot. My absolute control in a, in a portrait environment and then the absolute utter freaking chaos of shooting long exposures. And that's me. Balance, <laughs> man. I'm going to, I'm not going to go dichotomy because that sounds so confrontational. Balance. Right. Balance. Love yeah. The balance that you have. Cause it's Fantastic. like, you say you like, you see like this acceptance and this like chill aspect of me, but then like, I'm also, you know, and so that, that there's a balance. Like I, I can be super chill and what case there are, what may be, will be, you know, it's just, you know, it is what it is. And that's just what's happening right now. Okay. Can't do anything about it. Let's just move on. But then there's also the part of me that's just like, oh my God, oh my God, the world's ending and we're all going to die. <laughs> but it's not. So I'm going right. to tell you, your younger self from five minutes ago, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> all going to be okay. Fine. We'll get through It'll it. It'll be fine. Uh, so I know a lot of people look at artists like you that have all of these shows and that are constantly putting on big gallery um, exhibitions. How do you how do you find yourself working with galleries, or are you hiring places out and doing it yourself, or you are you um, going into an art show and just creating it yourself, or are you getting pulled into galleries? How do you how do you navigate that space? So I tell so a lot. The way I ended started out doing it is just um, art calls. Like galleries will say we're having a group show and this is the theme and you can submit your work and I would submit and you just getting out and building relationships with uh, gallery owners and like showing your face and talking to people and paying attention to art calls um, for juried shows, things like that. Um, and there's all kinds of different ways that you can get shows. Now I, I've never rented, I've always been like, people would actually approach me, Hey, uh, you know, would you want to do ever do a show at my gallery? And I'm like, absolutely. Let's talk about what we're going to do. Or, um, the, the, the solo show I had at the customs house museum actually won that show through a jury competition where you submit your work and, you know, tell about yourself as an artist. Um, so it's kind of like that, like that, like you got to kind of, there's ways you can search for keywords mm -hmm. on, on Google, you know, Google keywords. And so you can have like your alerts for <laughs> keywords of art calls and things like that. There's websites that actually will list art calls that you can, that you can um, go to and sign up for subscribe to get told about art calls follow galleries, follow their Instagram pages, go to their websites and look about how you can submit their work. And, you know, um, and, and just be, but mainly just being around people because, you know, and, and getting yourself out there. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of it. Um, the more, the more people know you and know who you are, then the more people want your work in their gallery. Um, but I'd say if I were to tell somebody like how to start getting your work into galleries, I would say do any kind of group show you possibly can. They're a lot less stressful because it is not all about you and you don't and they're cheaper for you because you don't have to produce an entire 
body of work. And the, the connections that you make at group shows are just invaluable. And you may or may not sell anything, but the connections that you make with the other artists, because more artists that you know that are showing, they're going to say, hey, I have this contact at XYZ Gallery, and this is how you submit your work to be in their gallery. And then, you know, so you just kind of got to do the footwork. Sure. And you got to be careful because some, you know, do your homework. Some galleries very much do not like it. If you come up to a gallery owner and start showing, you know, look at this, this is my work and, and trying to talk shop. Some they're very turned off by that. Um, so my best thing is art calls, answer them, find them. You can there and they're everywhere all over the country. You can do local join your local art leagues. Like I'm the vice president of the Tennessee art league um, where we try to get, offer our members um, different showing experiences. You know, uh, we're starting to get back into that post the craziness of COVID, but that, so that it's just, you know, network, 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 talk to people and more people, you know, the more things, you know, <laughs> the more opportunities that you have. Uh, yeah, it's, it's true. I think yeah, that's, that's true in so many aspects of life, right? There are so many people that struggle with business and they're just not networking enough and not marketing enough. Yeah. And you don't have to be out there and pushing and selling and look at my work, look at my work. It's about authentic connections with people, just build yeah. relationships. And, you know, I think that's, it's a missing piece. I think more people are getting it now. Um, but I know that, there was the Glen Gary, Glen Ross, always be closing. Like you're always got to be selling. You've always yeah. got to be doing something. I'm not and, good at that. <laughs> yeah, me either. And I just kind of get in there and talk to people. And eventually you're going to hear something where there might be an opportunity. Um, but so long as you're just there and present and having those conversations, without a doubt, that's going to lead to something. Right. If at the very least it's, a connection to another connection. Oh, right? absolutely. And I cannot express. This, this yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Huh. Oh, I was just saying, I cannot express how beneficial group shows are. Right. Though seriously, because it's, it can tend to be um, easier to get your work into a group show because you don't have to show a gallery owner this huge cohesive body of work. Instead, you can pick like your, your best. Like if it has a theme, I'm like, well, I have this really great piece that I know would fit this theme. And you're not having to show them 20 pieces that are going to fill their whole gallery and have the potential to sell then. But then you, this, you've got a gallery owner who gets to talk with you and, and, and see more of your work. Cause they'll be going, wow, what else do you have? You know, um, that really helps people get their foot in the door with, with, uh, with galleries. Um, and I, I think that people, um, I don't know if a lot of people understand like just how valuable a group show is and, and, um, to, in, as far as getting your work in galleries, so if I, if I would say, if anybody's listening to this right now, if you take anything away from what I'm saying about uh, showing your work, search for group shows in your area. If you're having a hard time, um, you know, like trying to get like a solo show or someone or and, and then, like you said, the, the pay rent, you people can do that. You can rent gallery space um, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, and then that could be a way to get all your work out and people to see it. Cause the, the more of a buzz that you create about yourself and the more people are, are seeing you, then the more people want to see you, you know, so that that's also beneficial. But uh, if you don't want to go that route, definitely get in those group shows. Super, super, super helpful. No, it seems like you've kind of nailed that whole thing. Um, you've got that on lock. You probably teach a course on getting into group shows and how to produce your work and how to print it out and what people like and what they don't like and just the art of conversation. That that would be a whole nother hour and a half that you and I could Which spend. I'd be happy to do if you ever want to. <laughs> I'm like, hell, I'll, I'll sit here. I got a whole box of wine. I'm not fancy. <laughs> like, let's do this. So, But then, then you're going to have to teach me how to actually make money. That's where I fall. <laughs> you know, we've got an ebook for sale. Uh, no, I'm not <laughs> selling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, therein lies a, a, a big issue, right? You have the artists that are artists. You have the artists that are business people. And you have the business people that are business people. And that middle section, the artists that are business people, I think is a really small subset, a much smaller subset than we like to admit. And, you know, what we're good at and what we're not. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I can do both. I struggle quite a bit. You know, there are times where you're a prolific artist. There are times where you're making a ton of money. And there are times where it's the absolute opposite, where you're not making a cent and you can't get a client. There are ups and downs. And I think if anybody tells you that they have the business of art nailed, then either one, they're the person and they've never struggled and latch on to them. Do whatever you can to ride their coattails. I want to be their best there. friend. Be their best friend. Or they're not telling you the whole story. They're lying. They're lying. <laughs> so I think there's there's a lot of that. I just love the fact that you admit into that. Oh, just, God, yeah. I suck at it. <laughs> I suck at it. Like, I, I I think I think about all the missed opportunities of how I could have made more money off of this or made more money off of that or like like oh my god when machismo was first and the all people were talking about it if I would have done blah 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 you know and it's I'm so bad at that part like give me talking to somebody and 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 get you know like sell myself as far as like you want me in your gallery right. you like this this is pretty like or or i've got something to say don't you want to say it too i can do that all day long but oh i'm a terrible business person horrible all right we're gonna have to change that somehow somehow <laughs> yes! Right, so we're gonna have, we're gonna have a, a whole series maybe this will be a series of conversations um and you you <laughs> Teach me how to take a picture of a horse, and I'll teach you how to make some money. Look, come um, on out to Nashville, and I'll and I've got lots of horses. I'll I'll, I'll be happy to. I'm there in a heartbeat. I did a, I did an equestrian shoot for a 12 year old girl last summer, and I uh -huh. love being on horses. I am by no means a horseman, um, but I have no problem being on them. You know, working with horses, and I was trying. It was my first ever shoot with uh -huh. horses, and one. I have no idea what I'm doing. Two, uh, <laughs> horses are way smarter than I ever gave them credit for. Um, and three, it's really intimidating to walk up to a 1,200-pound animal and be like, hey, listen, I want to build a connection with you. Uh, if you could just have a seat right here, I'm going to set up some lights. They don't go for that a whole lot. No, they're, so, yeah. 
they're on their own timeline. So I admire anybody that can work with them. I'm not, all right, it's settled. I'm coming to Nashville. Come out. We'll go out to the. We'll take our cameras and we'll go out to the. We'll go out to the farm and you'll and I'll and I'd be happy to. This I love it. This I, sounds um, like a dirty jobs episode in the making, and I'm going to wind up sitting in a stall in horse poop with a camera. You're probably going. Yes, that's what's literally what's going to happen, madam. And like, I don't think you've been sitting in that pile of horse poop long enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm welcome. I'm welcoming the hazing. It's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, so as we kind of land this plane, um, you know, we were, a lot of this has been about, you know, what you've built and how you've built it and the connection in your voice. And one of the things that I keep coming back to and in, in hearing in you is that you have this compass that that brings you true north, right? And it's the the thing that weaves in and out of all of your work. But you also wander to the left and right lateral limits of art, right? Yeah. You're you're painting, you're photographing, you're modeling, you're art directing, right? You're all over the place. Where are your goals? What's what's next for you in terms of developing this craft, developing that voice? Where do you see this going in ten? What are you telling your future self in ten years? Where you want to be? That is a really good question. And I'm almost speechless for the first time. That doesn't happen very often. You know, is it, I want to write a book. Mm. Um, and I'm actually started working on one and that is very, very hard. So that's my next thing is uh, writing a book. Mm. Um, I would like to, I really wanted Machisma to be a book and I, I I'd like for that, that to happen. Um, like a coffee table book. Sure. I'd like to revisit that series again. Um, just because I, you know, it's very special to me. So possibly like a photography book, um, you know, and be, be a better, I need to be a better business person that that's something that <laughs> to, the, the possibility of one day, being able to step out of the corporate world and be an artist full time is a would is a dream, and not is- do commercial photography, but so and that's tough to make a living as a fine art photographer. That that's tough, and I'm not going to say you know if you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen or you'll make an excuse. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make an excuse, but I think I think that my uh, the thing that's kind of in my way is what I said before, where I where I, I, I I'm not a good business person. Um, right. And that's like when it comes down to money, like I don't know that I always tend to value myself and value my work or mo- monetarily. Like if you want me, you know, like. I can do show I that and that's a problem that's what can tend to be a problem with doing the type of work that I do is people love to come see it and they love to come talk about it but they don't tend to put it on their walls mm-hmm. and I've got to try and find a happy medium like how can you take activism type art mm-hmm. and make make enough money off of doing that to make a living or do you say 
I'm just going to stay in the corporate world and I'm going to not make a living off of art and I'm just going to keep being true to myself, you know? And so maybe like, maybe just invest money enough to where I don't have to care if I'm making money off my art and I can just make the stuff I want to make and if I make it or don't and make money off of it or not, that would be the dream. (laughs) I love watching your mind work through this and I am not, I'm not going to give you any advice. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to record it here and set it in digital stone so that in many years when I'm talking to you as a best-selling author with, you know, an investment portfolio worth billions and you own several companies rather than working in them, I think, you know, this will be a a wonderful thing to revisit. This will show up in your Facebook memories and uh, you'll be like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty clairvoyant. I predicted that. Remember that Uh, time, Matt, when I said I suck at business? mm -hmm. I lied. I lied. I'm phenomenal at business. I have no doubt that you're going to conquer that. And uh, no matter what you want to do, that you're going to reach that without a doubt. I mean, just hearing the way that you've gone from, from discipline to discipline, I've got all the faith in the world. We're going to come back to this and it's going to be exactly what you said. Best selling author. So that's it. There's where I'm going to write that book and that book's going to go crazy. And then I'm, then I'm going to invest that money. And then I'm just going to be like, what am I going to, I'm just going to sit in a stall in the corner and take Mm -hmm. pictures. (laughs) But it's very very easy. I'll send you the invoice for the consulting. It's fine. All Um, right. (laughs) See, look, businessman. I need to learn from you. Where can everybody find you? Um, so uh, you, NinaCovington.com uh, on Instagram. It's at Nina Covington. I even have, even if you want to see some ridiculous silliness, I've got tick. I have the TikToks. Nina.Covington. Um, so uh, Instagram, yeah, Nina Covington. It's my name. Usually. All variations of, there aren't a whole lot of Nina Covingtons out there. No, no. And, and especially not one when you do the Googles and, and there's nudity everywhere. So look, not safe for work. <laughs> Feel free to go to my website, but be careful. There's going to be boobies. <laughs> you know, we we did pretty good here with the with the safe for work content. I think people can listen to this. Just don't I go didn't look at it. I did curse word a single time, Matt. Are you I gonna? Are you just happened. gonna go outside and just shout into the wind now? Like I'm just gonna just, go scream the f word outside. Yeah. I I watched my mouth this whole time, but Proud yeah, um, but yeah, Nina Nina Covington is usually like like I said on Instagram at Nina Covington. I've been be, I've been really bad about posting there. Twitter also Nina Covington NinaCovington.com, and then if you want to watch some ridiculousness, Nina.Covington on TikTok. That that's my first stop as we get off of this. I am going straight to TikTok. Oh my God. Prepare just to be like, oh God, what is she doing? I Nina, said I you have model. been amazing. Thank you so much for hanging Thank out with you. me tonight. You're really and good at this. You have no. that you have that radio voice, Matt, and you lead the <laughs> conversation so well. Flick, keep no, you we started with compliments. Let's end with compliments. I'm just, gonna just compliment you more, Matt. You're awesome. You're you're awesome. You do you're delusional, this, this but was thank a you. A lot of fun, very easy to 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 talk with you. I I enjoyed well, it. I think you know, one of the, the big things, the reason I wanted to do this is 
there aren't a lot of conversations like this happening. There are several, but I want to be able to get all of us, right, this community, start talking about real things, real life. And, you know, there's so many of us that kind of peripherally know each other. We make assumptions about how someone works or what they're like. And I want to break down a lot of that and bring this community a little bit closer so that, you know, people can say, oh, wow, I had no idea Nina sucks at business, right? I I feel better about myself, shared experience, right? So um, yeah, this has been really, really enjoyable. Thanks so much. I can't wait to come to Nashville and sit in the horse stall. Seriously, come, seriously. Well, I'd be happy to to give you some some horsey photography lesson, but (laughs) but I do want to, seriously though, what you guys are doing is wonderful. It's helped me feel connected to other artists again, where I felt like disconnected because of the pandemic. I look forward to to jumping in and 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 dissecting artwork and having conversations. So I think what you what y'all are doing is very important, and I'm glad I'm glad to be happy to be a part of it. Any chance that I that I get. That means the world. We're so, so happy that you're around. So thank you, Nina, so, so much. Um, And I can't wait to see you in the group. And we'll talk soon. I promise. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Hey there. Can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show, too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.